to you. A very happy and snowy evening to you as uh, we are broadcasting live from the Fars Ice Cream location, the Far Better Sports Show, 21st and Grand in downtown Ogden. I know it's a little bit uh, tough out there, but if you can't come on over and join us, we'll be here till 8. The store is open till 10. Enjoy some great ice cream and some Weber State conversation. And right off the bat, we're joined by Weber State Athletic Director Tim Crompton. And Tim, thanks uh, for joining us on this snowy night. Well, thanks for having me as always, and thanks for the wave. Thanks for Far's Ice Cream for allowing us to be here and have the show hosted here. You couldn't ask for a better place. No, I, I mean, just the smell alone, I'm getting 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the feeling. So, nothing new in your world, right? No, just status quo <laughs> for us. You know? Obviously, uh, uh, the big story was uh, last week when uh, Jay Hill decided to step down and take the new position at Brigham Young University. And uh, that, that I, you know, most of the, the fans around felt that, you, they knew it was going to happen sooner or later. They just didn't know when. So from your standpoint, was it a surprise at all? Well, you know, I mean, first I you know, I would say congratulations to, to Coach Hill, and we certainly wish him luck. And um, he's, he's a great individual, and I've said that many times on this, on this radio show. Mm-hmm. And he's got a tremendous family, and, and BYU is certainly lucky to have him. You know, and I think to to speculate whether that was a surprise or not. I mean, we know that Coach Hill and the football program has been has had its fair amount of success over the last four or five years. And to think that, that there wouldn't be other institutions that would be looking into Coach Hill and the success that he's had and his staff, and again the institution, uh, I think that'd be that'd be foolish. So you know, you try to prepare for it as much as you can, while at the same time trying to do everything you can to keep Coach Hill, you know, here at Weber State and. And I think we were fortunate to keep him as long as we did. I thought the interesting uh, line that he gave in his press conference, and I get your thoughts on it, was the fact that he felt most comfortable that he's ever felt in the opportunity to leave because he thinks the program now is self-sustainable. I think that's fair to say. I, I think that he it's... Yeah, it's a trend maybe that's starting in college football where we have head coaches from the FCS going to be coordinators at, at Power 5 conferences as, as opposed to taking head jobs, you know, in a group of five or even a Power 5. I mean, Sac State, Coach Taylor, I think that's an exception mm-hmm. to the rule at the moment. But um, so so the head coach, in this case, Jay leaves, and, and he leaves his staff behind him, and I think that, that speaks to some of what he's saying is that, it's sustainable. He's got a great staff behind him. He's got great players lined up, and and his position coaches have done a tremendous job. They're great people. So yes, the the program's in as good a place as it's it's uh, it's been in a long time. So he he's correct in saying that. I, I think you really do have to give the the staff uh, pats on the back for what they're doing now and following a lot of the guys uh, on Twitter and they're talking about being here, being there, and recruiting. And uh, you know, obviously they're in a position of uh, of limbo maybe, but they're doing everything they can to help this program. Oh, they, those those guys bleed purple, and they have, and they wouldn't do anything. And, and in this case, uh, they wouldn't do anything to but try to make the institution. Uh, better make the team better and really as if Jay was still there waiting for the next head coach to come in so and and I know the players can appreciate that and um, look forward to see you know who's going to be in charge uh, I've got to think that uh, that a program with the status that it is right now you got a lot of interest from people uh, very early absolutely 
Absolutely. It's uh, the success of the program has has provided a tremendous amount of interest in that open position. So we just got it. We, we've got it out there for a national search, turning over every rock. We've got some great internal people. We've got some people that are familiar with the program, and um, you know we'll make the best decision for uh, the program itself and the kids. After all, in in the in what that looks like going forward for the next year's team and beyond. And, and, of course, with the guys out there recruiting now, you're not really missing a beat in that department. And, obviously, yeah, a run to the second round of the playoffs helps the recruiting as well. So I would guess that uh, because of their ability to go out there and recruit as they are right now, you're not in as much of a hurry as you might be otherwise. Well, that's that's a well, there's a lot of things to unpack there. Mm-hmm. I, I know Not to get into the weeds, you are correct that it would be different if he had no staff in place and you know the head coach left and took two-thirds of the staff with him and and then there would be no recruiting happening at all so I think to your point recruiting is happening and again not to be redundant but they are recruiting um, to win and so that those are those are positives and to uh, other than that, I really can't say much. Right. Uh, you don't have a timetable or anything at well, this point. Well, you know, we wanted – the timetable is the success of the program. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's – you know, you can – it's a fair assumption to know that we've got to have someone in place as these kids return. And it takes whoever that may be some time to, you know, get their feet underneath them and be prepared for the kids return back from school or back to school in January, so there is a timetable, but I think that timetable really has mo- mostly has to do with what's best for our student athletes in that program. Hey, you know, it's, uh, people might uh, you know not realize it, but it's certainly not a, a, as cut and dry a thing as we saw with basketball because Eric Duff was right there. Uh, you know, I'm sure Randy Ray uh, uh, promoted him uh, heavily to uh, take over for him, and uh, you know, obviously Eric's going through some growing pains right now. It's a young team, uh, a lot of transfers, a lot of freshmen, and only a couple of holdovers from uh, previous years, but. Uh, uh, it's hard to say looking at the win-loss record, but from my vantage point, I am seeing some progress. Well, you have a good vantage point. <laughs> you see a lot. You've seen a lot of games. You see a lot. Of, you're, you're right there firsthand. And you know, college basketball in general is going through some hard times. And to return a uh, consistent group in college basketball in terms of the number of players that you return year to year from the previous year on your roster, whether they're starters or the backups, is a, at a premium. And I know that Coach Duff would like to get back to having that continuity in his program. Yeah, that's going to take him some time, but he's a smart individual. He's been around a long time. He's well-respected, great recruiter. So, yes, I'm, uh, I, I have seen that improvement from game to game, too. And, and after all, it is a new team. It is. It really is. And it's been a tough road. I, I don't think people understand how difficult it is at this point that they have spent so much time away from home. And, again, their whole non-conference schedule of 13 games – Ten of them are away games, and that's just that's just difficult. You're going into enemy territory. You're going into hostile environments, and it's uh, it's not easy. No, uh, there's no doubt playing on the road in any sport it has its challenges. And traditionally, it is difficult for us to get good Division One teams to come into the D because they don't want to come to Ogden, Utah, and lose. And you know, and, and just how that plays out from a seeding standpoint or you know postseason play. However. At the end of the day, um, 
he's played some good teams. I mean, we got Cal Baptist team was a good team. They went up and beat Washington, mm-hmm. correct? And you know, they were in that game, and they played really get well against the team the other night, who who is a really good team. Right, uh, ranked number twenty in the Division Two. Yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, you're at home, you're on the road, you, you're going to get battle tested one way or the other. I mean, there's different pressures at home than there are on the road. Um, you know, lots of coaches would say that there's a lot of there's more distractions at home sometimes, as opposed to when you're on the road. You can really just focus in. You know, you know besides your homework and your studies, you I mean you're, that's all you're doing on the road is focusing in on that game, and you don't have the distractions of you know, you know just whatever else goes on around you socially as a, as a, as a young person. So, man, I look forward to his. You know, I've looked forward to Friday night's game against uh, San Luis Obispo and. And you're headed up that way, so is it, I don't know what the weather's going to be like there. Well, but low it's 60s. probably a little bit warmer. Yeah, low sixties, you know, a little sunshine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's and, and the bottom line is it's the Big Sky Conference. What's important is what starts on the 29th of December, and that's conference play. And I think the different styles of play that they have had to face so far here in the non-conference schedule really will prepare them for success in league play. Well, it's always how you finish, mm-hmm. and not how you start. You know, it's it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's over a long period of time, and you need to be playing well at the right time. And the the strength of your non-conference schedule or the challenges that your non-conference schedule provides you are set up to prepare you for your conference play because you're absolutely mm-hmm. correct. You, you, you know, nobody wants to lose every game at, at non-conference. However... You could lose every one of those games and win every game in conference, and no one will remember the, every game you lost, all the games you lost in non-conference. So I think he's done a really good job of scheduling, preparing himself, and and again, I do agree that they've gotten better every game, and I look forward to you know, that. That'll be a, a good test for them at Cal Poly. You know, uh, speaking of schedule, I know it's very, as you mentioned, very tough to get teams to come in here. I know the conference is starting to do some things to try to alleviate that, and maybe bring up a few things or put together a few things that uh, you know maybe with uh, the big west or some other conferences to uh, improve not just weber states but all of the teams in the big sky improving their home schedules and non-conference play i think that's a constant uh, well it's on the forefront of, of the conference's mind and when it comes to basketball constantly you know every year they're out there trying to to secure some type of arrangement um, or commitment between you know our conference and another conference so we can get home and home games and against like-minded conferences and uh, I know they're constantly working on that and, I, and it's not much I can really say because you know, otherwise then it won't happen right so um, but it is it is something that uh, when it when it lands I mean like the Cal Poly game mm-hmm. that's that's part of that that program mm-hmm. so we should see them back into our court and, and without that program we, that wouldn't happen. So it should be uh, a lot of fun in the future, getting some teams in and all that. Uh, now, uh, Coach V will be here later, and uh, although a couple of bumps the last two times out against very difficult opponents, uh, uh, the women's program uh, really on the upswing after a, a pretty good finish last year and a good start this year, especially taking two out of three in that event in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, we. Li- I mean, that was a nice, hol- uh, nice little holiday tournament for them over in back east, and Certainly, they finished the season on a high note, winning the game in the tournament last year, and then being very competitive in the game that, that eventually got them knocked out of the tournament. And started the season kind of picked up where they left off. And again, the two last two games are, are good teams. You know, the top of the conference teams in, in the Big Sky. So I look forward to she's right. Her conference season's right around the corner as well. So we look forward to her game on Saturday. And as we get closer to the conference, 
look forward to big things from the women's basketball program. Yeah, Utah Tech on uh, Saturday. That'll be 1 o'clock, and I hear a special guest in a red suit will be there on that particular night. And I cannot afternoon. Con- confirm or deny that. <laughs> and then, of course, really a, a good uh, thing for the program, and I wish it would happen uh, with the men, but uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, the University of Utah, undefeated, nationally ranked team, comes to the D Event Center on Tuesday at 530. Yeah, we, we love to have those in-state the in-state games you know when we when we're able to play at their place and we're able to get them back to our place so we look forward to that as well and that'll be a, a great challenge for our women now you've got a lot on your plate obviously the the football coaching search and all that kind of stuff how are you on your christmas shopping we're getting close you got about a week and a half <laughs> well fortunately for me my wife Danny does all of that. She she makes well, she it pretty. All of she, it. she makes it pretty easy for me. If she wants something, she says, "This is what I'd like." She's <laughs> she's very deliberate. She's this is what I want. This is gonna make me guess. Probably because she's been sorely disappointed in the past. But uh, she's so she she's learned from that, and she's she knows that if she just leads me in the right direction, I'll take care of it. That's right. I mean, the only thing you have to yeah, you know, that's it. I, the, my wife and I have done the, the same th- kind of thing where I'll buy something for myself, say, here, you gave this to me, yeah, and vice versa. That always works. It does, because you're never disappointed. Never. <laughs> you always get exactly what you want. Tim, appreciate you coming by on this uh, snowing night. Uh, appreciate your work as the athletic director, and uh, good luck on the uh, continued search for a new head football well, coach. Well, I appreciate that, Stephen. We appreciate you at Weaver State for everything that you do for us. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's Athletic Director Tim Crompton. We're going to talk some football with Jerry Graybeal right after this timeout. You're listening to the Fires Better Sports Show here on 103.1 The Wave. We can all agree on one thing, and that's everyone loves ice cream. Far Better Ice Cream has been a part of your family, serving flavors and smiles for over a century. Welcome back to a Far Better Sports Show on 1031 The Wave with your host, Steve Klauke. And welcome back to the Far Better Sports Show, live from the Far Better Ice Cream location right downtown Ogden, 21st and Grant. Come on over and... Uh, if you can, if it's not uh, too bad out there on the roads, come on over and join us. Have some ice cream and some Weaver State conversation. And uh, one guy who's already deposited uh, uh, an ice cream sundae is my next guest, Jerry Graybeal, my uh, uh, partner in crime on the football broadcast, as well as the former head coach and athletic director at Weaver State University. And, uh, Jerry, you took care of that uh, sundae pretty quick. It was a single scoop. <laughs> <laughs> with a little bit of chocolate drizzle on it, Steve. Oh, I thought it was this big, monstrous thing you'd already eaten. I was telling it. your wife, you know, that I, I'm, I I could have had a single scoop of vanilla at home mm-hmm. and Hershey's drizzle on top of it, but it's still my go-to when I come to Fars because oh, yeah. they have the best vanilla <laughs> ice cream in the city of Ogden. So, Probably the state of Utah. Right, right. Well, since I last saw you, there was a little bit of a change in the uh, hierarchy. Just there talking was. to Tim, Cr- I know, talking to Tim Crompton about it. And I, I guess in in one in one way, I look at it is that uh, I would have loved to have uh, kept Jay at Weber State, but on the other hand, I think we've been living on borrowed time because yeah. he is such a talented young coach. I agree, one hundred percent. You know, and I don't think it's 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 something that you know Coach Hill and his family, uh, you know, had to make a decision based on on their future. And uh, the direction that Jay can go, you know, after Weber State, I mean, he's done about all you can do except for win a national championship, and that's about the only thing that he didn't accomplish Mm -hmm. at Weber State. But going and being able to, uh, you know, work at an institution where you grew up. And, I mean, he grew up under the big Y in the sky in Lehigh. And, and, you know, you can't tell me he didn't want to grow up being a, you know, a Cougar football player. And and I'm just so, so happy for he and Sarah and the kids 
that he, uh, you know, he's in a position now where he can go down and help co- coach Sataki, especially with jumping into a big conference. Right. And uh, he's the right guy to do that. Well, the good news is if uh, you allow 27 to 30 points a game, it looks bad, but that's actually good defense in the Big 12. <laughs> There's something to be said for that. Jay, Jay won't, won't, won't appreciate the fact that, you know, he can give up 27 to 30 in a game, I can tell you. But uh, I think it's a great fit for uh, Coach Sataki and, and the guys that are on the staff there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Jay back on the sidelines calling mm-hmm. his own defense. You know, I mean, he uh, it took him a long time to wean himself mm-hmm. from doing that and hand it over to Coach Dale and Coach Duff. And they've obviously done a fantastic job. But uh, it'll be nice to see Jay making his own calls again. You know, uh, I asked this of uh, Tim, and because of your experience as a football coach at, at the collegiate level, I want to ask you uh, your thoughts on one of the comments that Jay made in one of his exit interviews or maybe his introductory press conference at BYU saying that he felt comfortable at this point leaving Weber State because he felt the program could be self-sufficient. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a strong you know, statement when it comes to uh, all the years that I've been at Weber State, 25 years now, uh, from where it, you know, my, my, my tenure as the football coach to transitioning over the years and, and seeing some things develop and some resources added to the program and through, you know, Coach Mack and his heralded years and getting us back on track with, you know, a couple shots at the championship to some really kind of really lean times there in between, you know, where, where a couple couple of football hires didn't quite go the right way and, and actually kind of set us back, you know, for four or five years until we did land, Jay. So, you know, that landscape has changed dramatically. It is one of the best jobs in the big sky now. And, 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 and I say that, and you know, it's top-down, you know, Dr. Mortensen, Norm Tarbox, the administration that supports, you know, athletics at our, at our excuse me, at our institution have, have invested not, not just the resources, but the time and energy into supporting, you know, those people that are trying to win games, you know, and, that, and that's the biggest key for us. We have the resources now to be as good as anyone in the conference. No doubt, no doubt. And I think a great example of the fact that uh, he's writing that's a, a self-sufficient program at this point mm-hmm. is that every one of his staff members are still out there yeah. recruiting for winning players for Weber State. Absolutely, you know, and, and, and it, at the end of the day, you know, players win games, coaches are the ones that lose them, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, having, you know, a, a pedigree of player that's coming to Weber State now that can win Big Sky championships is one thing, but you got to have the coaches with boots on the ground to go out and, you know, and, and just like Randy Ray used to say, you know, turn over all them rocks, you mm-hmm. know, and and that's what they do, and you know, and a credit to them. Uh, you know, I went over and spoke to a couple of the coaches, you know, yesterday in the afternoon, and, and they were all heading out and making their plans to go back out and you know make sure that they have those firm commitments and kids that are, you know, going to come to Weber State. And and not one of them, you know, said anything about you know, you know what's going on with the job search or any of those things. And you know what, I did tell Coach Myers, the offensive line coach, I said we only lost one guy. You know, That's the rest right. of you guys right. are here. I mean, I mean, Jake gets a lot of credit. You're the head coach. You get the losses and the wins on your resume. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guys involved with all those losses and those wins, you know, and you guys, you know, you get a lot of credit for all those wins, I guarantee it. The head coach ends up taking the losses. Yeah, talking with Jerry Graybill, going to recap uh, this 2022 season, and obviously it was a, a productive season, comparatively speaking, to the 2021 year. It just kind of ended uh, – you know, yeah. prematurely. Part of it was the bracketing. There's no doubt about it. But I think the disappointing thing, and even though they did win three of these four games, but it was very uncharacteristic of the Wildcat defense. 
for the last five games, allowing 30 or more points. Right, you know, and, and, and some of that's depletion of, you know, players, injuries, yeah. injuries. Yeah, you're right, Steve, you know, and, and some of it's just credit where credit's due. Sac State and Montana State were very, very good football teams. Obviously, Montana State still in the running for a national championship. Unfortunately, the way the seeds, as you talked about, we weren't so happy about it. I guarantee I wouldn't want to be Montana State and not so happy about having to go to South Dakota State. When, right. You know, and, 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 and North Dakota State is still sitting at home taking in on Incarnate Ward on mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about that all day long. There's not some, there's a <laughs> lot. It's not always about fairness, but at the end of the day, you know, the defense giving up that many points, you know, is discouraging, I'm sure. You know, and some of it, you know, some of it has to do with, you know, like I said, credit where credit's due. Those are two quality running teams. And we were a little thin at times, you know. We hadn't went through a lot of guys, you know, especially at linebacker and at, at, and at D-line, let alone the secondary. And you can't ask, you know, defensive backs to make tackles all day at the line of scrimmage. Right. And losing Dez uh, Williams was was big, and the seam Colvin hurt, you know, for most of the latter part of the season. But those youngsters stood up, you know, and came in and, and did some nice things. We had two All-Americans, mm-hmm. you know, pop, you know, with uh, one being on defense and one on special teams. And, and, you know, Abraham Williams is a defensive player, but, you know, a, a special teams did something that no one else in all of football did this year. You right. Know, run four, back four kicks. That's amazing. Uh, offensively, I thought it was an interesting year from the standpoint. I thought the offensive line was uh, – for the most part, outstanding. Yeah. And one of the great examples of that is the fact that Bronson Barron was able to start every game this year at quarterback. Yeah, yeah you know, and that's a first for him, mm-hmm. you know, to make it through a whole season. And uh, and when he did get hurt, you know, uh, you know, uh, Weiser came in and, right. and, and did a nice job in the Montana State in the playoff game. But it all starts with the offensive line, Steve, and you're right. You know, we, we had a healthy offensive line. We battled a couple of injuries, you know. Uh, uh, Jordan got beat up a couple times at the guard position but you know Icorn came in and did some I mean all those guys did an outstanding job you know credit to coach Myers and and his preparation of those players game in and game out the Otagi brothers were solid all year long you know and and those guys are just now reaching their peak because of you know this is a, a year one year one fall and one spring with Mickey Mantle you know and mm-hmm. and Mickey's obviously all you got to do is look at the numbers He's already, you know, bolstered those offensive numbers to a place we're not accustomed to, to be quite right, honest. Right. And, uh, you know, the future's very bright with, you know, with that with that going on. I thought the receiving core was, for the most part, solid. Ty McPherson had an outstanding year. I think it was 10 uh, touchdown receptions. Jacob Sharp started off strong, had some troubles uh, later on, had an injury as well. But uh, I thought the tight ends were outstanding yeah. this year, Hayden Meacham and Justin Malone. Oh, no doubt. You know, and, and you know, Davis Rasmussen coming in mm-hmm. as a blocking tight end. Um, some of the success of the run game was was because of his lead blocking on, on motion plays. And, and, you know, Justin Malone, you know, was, uh, did an outstanding job as an H-back in his blocking and receiving. And Hayden Meacham's turning into a, you know, I I, I got to imagine he's got to be an NFL prospect mm-hmm. here before the end of his career. Uh, not only is he a great blocker, he's got great size, he's got good feet, and he's proven to be a really good go-to guy with his hands, you know. And, the, and so, you know, you know, Josh Davis leaves as the all, second all-time leading rusher, you know, although, you know, he's been hurt off and on throughout the season. But, I mean, we have four running backs returning that are all very talented, you know, with Dante and DeMond Bankston, and, 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 and Chris is still not even a senior, you know, right. Jackson. So, I mean, 
The cupboards are not bare, that's for sure. Co- Coach Hill cannot be accused of leaving the cupboards bare. <laughs> no, that is for sure. But there are some holes that have to be filled, especially on the defensive end. Uh, uh, some seniors that uh, were definitely going to miss out at Stewart Stadium. Yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, I'm just happy that you know we have like a Winston Reed, you know, mm-hmm. returning you know in the middle there because that's. You know, in our defense, you know, it's a multiple 4-3 defense. The middle linebacker still has to run the show, but replacing a Dez Williams is going to be very tough because you can see uh, him moving people around, you know, Eddie Heckard, you know, solid guys. But the corner positions are, you know, there's a lot of re- youth returning at mm-hmm. corner, and, and that's a big positive, you know. And, and, I, and, and I believe by, by uh, redshirting Mark Collins will receive, you know, another additional year with him. He's an all-conference player that didn't play at all this year, you know, and, and so I think the you know that with some key additions you know via whether it be the portal whether it be a couple JUCO kids or even some true freshmen you know I, I think the I think the defense will rebound in a hurry. Before I let you go, has at any point in time during your career did you cross paths with Mike Leach? You know I really never did have a chance to uh, to engage with him. Uh, I have some friends that that coached. Uh, at Eastern Washington when they played the Red Raiders mm-hmm. back in the day. In fact, uh, actually one of our former coaches, Jason Belford, who coached at, at here at Weber State for a short cup of coffee, he played on that team, and he posted a picture today on Facebook that I saw he with Mike Leach when Mike was at, our Coach Leach was at Washington State. And uh, he, he, he did a really nice job of paying tribute to Coach Leach because he took the time. And, and you know, the, the uh, Paul Sorensen and Larry Weir mm-hmm. got a chance to interview him in his office. And there's an article out, I believe, on Facebook also from Paul Sorensen uh, that's about that interview. And it's, it's, it's total Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think all of us, you know, love just hearing about anything but football from right, him right, sometimes right, you know right. we all know about the air raid offense mm-hmm. and all the crazy things he used to do and not have a playbook and walk to work walk back and forth from home to work but 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 i think i enjoy more like his take on marriage and right, some of those right, other right. things are just right. it's very entertaining the mad pirate rest in peace Coach, it was a great year as always. Really enjoy working with you on the games. I know a lot of people enjoy that uh, we have a lot of fun uh, during the games and certainly look forward to the fall of 2023. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I believe next you got the young rookie on here coming up. <laughs> I, uh, well, I, you I'll, know, I'll do my best to send some text, some, some timely text in when he's struggling on the radio at times. Well, you know, he's a, he's a rookie in some ways, but he's he's got – this is his eighth year with me. He's a wily veteran. He's a wily veteran now. Now we're talking about David Patton. We'll talk uh, Weber State Hoops when we return right after this timeout. You're listening to the Far Better Sports Show on 103.1 The Wave. We can all agree on one thing, and that's everyone loves ice cream. Far Better Ice Cream has been a part of your family, serving flavors and smiles for over a century. Welcome back to a far better sports show on 1031 The Wave with your host, Steve Klauke. Welcome back to the Far Better Sports Show, broadcasting live from the downtown Fars location here in Ogden, 21st and Grant. I know it's uh, not uh, very nice outside weather-wise, but if you get the chance, come on over and enjoy some great Fars ice cream as well as some Weber State conversation. We'll be here till 8, and, of course, uh, Fars is open until 10 p.m. tonight. Well, we'll switch gears now, go from Wildcat football to Weber State men's basketball. Joining us right now, my analyst and former Big Sky MVP, David Patton. David, thanks for uh, coming out on this uh, dreadful night. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. Anytime I can come down to Fars, I'm, I'm more than willing to do so. <laughs> um, your thoughts so far, and obviously it's a, it's very difficult to, to really you know pinpoint to, uh, the Wildcat basketball team right now. You've only seen three games, only three non-conference home games uh, the entire schedule, and some very tough road games that the Wildcats have been through with a combination of just a few returnees, a lot of freshmen and transfers. It's uh, still very much a work in progress. You know, it reminds me of my senior year, and I was one of those returners for Coach Ray's first year, and now we have Coach Duff's first year. And it's been fun to watch, even though it might not seem like it. I've, I've really enjoyed the process because this is a really talented team, but like you say, a lot of new faces, a lot of different things going on, a brand-new head coach that that is great. He's, he's, uh, he's got all the talent in the world to be a great head coach for Weber for a very long time. So um, excited for the prospects of the year. I mean, coming up a lot more tough road games right <laughs> so, exactly so um, it's going to be it, it's going to be a test these next couple of weeks but going into the conference season i'm actually pretty excited yeah it's, it's going to be interesting one good thing about this kind of a schedule is you're going to see and we have seen various styles of basketball so they'll be prepared for just about anything once big sky play begins december 29th and you usually see a little bit of everything mm-hmm. in the big sky i mean there's there's some there's some styles that certain schools are known for but you're going to see everything throughout the year um, you know, they've struggled with really good big guys. They've struggled with really good shooting teams. Um, you know, they've, they've struggled offensively, and so they've, they've had all the struggles they, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they can go through. And uh, I think they're going to be better for it. Like, uh, uh, a team this fresh needs that in the preseason. They, they can't schedule some cupcakes and go through the preseason unscathed or maybe play Washingtons and then Adams States, right? They, I think they did the right thing. They played really tough teams all year long. Um, and uh, they're, they're going to be much better for it come uh, the 29th. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the bigs uh, that sometimes they've been they've struggled with, and uh, obviously uh, Alex Chu and Anjay Tamba still, as a whole, pretty raw players. As a guy who is a big man himself, uh, you see the struggles that are going through. I'm seeing definitely seeing the progress from, from Alex of late, but uh, those two guys, as they develop, I think the team will develop. Yeah, so much comes at you. I mean, when you're a really big guy like them, and I'm, I was undersized, but when, you, when you're a really big guy like them, a, a lot of it probably comes pretty easy to you in, in the, at the high school level, at the prep level. You're just bigger than everybody, so you don't really have to do the kinds of things they're going to have to do even against undersized guys. So so the, it was always going to be a little bit of a work in progress with those guys, but I, I see him coming along. I, I'm impressed with what Alex has done. I think he's got a great attitude and plays really hard. Tomba the same. Um, and that's half the battle, right? So once they have guys willing, they can develop them. But it just does take some. I mean, plenty of Weber State mm-hmm. bigs. I mean, I, I played on the outside for my first two years, and they were like, Dave, please. <laughs> you know, it's time to Great go Great example of that, is too, is Kendall Hill. He spent a lot of time yep. outside, and finally, the last year or so, he played inside where he belonged. Yeah, and, and even um, Joel Ballenboy is another mm-hmm. really good example of a guy who was really raw his freshman year and then turned into a, an all-conference all, uh, caliber guy. So... Um, Weber State has a great track record of that, and I think they've got an opportunity with these two guys. And there's a third piece of the equation, Daniel Ruzon, who's mm-hmm. undersized, so to speak, at 6'9", but, boy, he, when he's out there, and he's been battling a, a flu bug the last couple of weeks that have slowed him down, but he's he's steady. He seems to have a nose for the ball. Two offensive rebound putbacks the other night against St. Martin's. I think uh, he's going to be a guy to watch, a freshman out of Las Vegas. Yeah, I like him, and, and we haven't really seen him at his potential like in the last couple of weeks, especially because of his illness, so excited 
excited to see what he can do in, in whatever minutes he's able to get. And, and you know, I think he's got the right attitude, right? He gets in the game and he says, I'm going to earn my minutes every time I get in. I'm going to play as hard as I can and find the basketball because there's no substitute for that. Um, you know, guys that kind of let the game come to them are one thing, but if you force the issue and are successful at it, like, it's pretty fun to watch. Like his attitude as well. I was talking to him on his way back to the bus after the loss at Cal Baptist, and he said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, I'm battling this thing. I can't wait for this to be over. I'm really tired of being sick, and I'm tired of losing. Yeah, I think think everybody on the team is, and, and... But what I've been really impressed with with these guys is they haven't let that get the better of them thus far. And uh, a lot of guys that play uh, Division One basketball are not used to losing in their career. You know, you don't see a lot of guys that prepped at, at a place that went 2-20. and 20. Right. You right. know, they usually are the best guy on a good team, and then they go um, play college basketball. So I've been impressed with their character thus far. And that's that's a testament to, to Coach Duft and his staff. Coach Duft is incredible. He's He was there for my senior year with Coach Ray during the first year, obviously there for all of Coach Ray's head coaching career. And, um, and and he's a special guy. He, he really is. He encourages guys. I mean, uh, I, sh- I certainly wouldn't have achieved anything uh, that I did without Coach Duff's help, and I'm super grateful for him. You know, you take a look at this team. We're talking about uh, the, the new faces, the transfers. Steven Verplanken has come along. He's averaging double figures. He's been in double digits, I think, for six or seven games this year. Uh, Keith Dinwiddie struggling a little bit right now on the offensive end, but it's just uh, it seems like you know eventually the offense will come around where the improvement needs to come with this team is the defensive end. The opposing teams are shooting nearly 50% from the field. Yeah, it's unacceptable, really. You want to you have that opposing field goal percentage around 40 maybe 45 if they have a great night and right now they're they're really having a lot of great nights <laughs> against Weber so it's it's again not for lack of effort not for lack of trying to run the scheme but um, just have to get a little bit better here and there uh, close a little bit quicker help a little bit better on on uh, on the on the offside and so and they're capable of it and and again they'll as they play together more and mesh together a little bit better uh, I, I think they'll be able to do that. But y- what you see in the big sky is a lot of good shooting teams. And so if they're going to scr- struggle with that the rest of the year, it's going to be a pretty big struggle. So it's something they definitely have to address. Yeah, well, the one thing that uh, has been a pleasant, uh, folks, this is David's favorite statistic to look at after a game. Uh, you're seeing better ball movement this year. The last few games, uh, over 50% of the field goals have had assists attached to it. And so, you know, once uh, they start making shots, those numbers are even go higher. Yeah, I really loved the way they moved it last game, and I think they've, um, y- you know, uh, quite a few people have noted that they have gotten great shots all year, so they're they're moving the ball really well. A couple of games they struggle. Washington's obviously going to be right. a tough game to get great shots when you have a Pac-12 mm-hmm. defense, but um, they have gotten great shots all year and finally started to knock them down. So we'll see if that becomes a trend or if that was a one-night thing. But I do think it'll become a trend. Once you start seeing the ball go in and you get that confidence, just grows from there. It was funny. I was talking to Dylan Jones before the game at Tarleton State, and uh, I said, uh, boy, you probably played in high school gyms bigger than this. He says, I think this is great. I'm really looking forward to it. After playing in a big arena in uh, Vegas and having less than 100 people there, I want atmosphere. As a player, does that tend to juice you up more than playing in a big building that's not full? Oh, for sure, and the big sky's a great example of that. I mean, there's there's, uh, smaller places that don't get very many people, and then smaller places like uh, when we played at Portland State, for example, they packed it somehow, Mm -hmm. which they weren't known for doing. 
Um, and, and then you get those huge domes where nobody's there, and you're like, why am I here? Right. What, what, are, what are we doing with our lives? So, yeah, I, I did love the atmosphere part of it. In fact, I uh, unsuccessfully petitioned to play in the Swenson once a year <laughs> because it would have just been right. so much fun yeah, to experience that, that atmosphere, yeah. people hanging from the rafters, struggling to get a ticket. You know, those I, I completely agree with Dylan, and I think it just, man, it, it gets you going, having, having uh, that buzz around the gym. Uh, before I let you go, let's talk about uh, Dylan Jones, the double-double machine. I think he was tied for 10th in the country last year with 17. He's in the top uh, 20 in the country so far this year. I, I don't know that I've seen a player that has such a nose for the ball. He's so dynamic. I mean, he affects the game in, in every category and in, and, in, and in categories that aren't measured. Right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's so active and enthusiastic. He just needs to stick with it, you know, um, maintain his composure in a game. Um, you know, don't get down uh, because I've been there. I mean, I, I I don't talk to the players because I don't think it's productive at times. I, I, you know, you don't want to tell them something other than what the coaches are telling them. So they got enough people in their ear. Um, but but he's a special, special guy, and uh, this is a process. And, and so um, he has a chance to do something special with this team this year because he's that dynamic of a player. He can lead this team to some success. And, and really what they want to be able to do is be playing their best when it comes to the conference tournament time. So people should probably watch out for Weber State because they have the ability to do that. It's just a matter of if they can mesh it this year, if it's going to take a little bit longer. But you did say something interesting in the game on Saturday against St. Martin's in regards to Dylan. You'd like to see him maybe be a little more aggressive on the offensive end and take some more shots. It's been interesting because he's gotten the ball in the middle quite a bit and tried to be a facilitator, which is great. And I I, I know a lot of really good players that, that do it that way. Um, but at times, this team will need him uh, to to quell the run, right? To to be the guy that is the is the stopper, both on offense and on defense, and especially rebounding the ball, which he already does well. But he has he can score. I mean, he really is a good scorer. And for the last few games, it doesn't seem like he's done that consistently. He's done it. Um, but I'd like to see him maybe press the issue a little bit earlier in the game, a little bit more often. And uh, and not feel like he's being selfish or like he's he's trying to look for his own, but he's doing that for the team. That's a lot of times you as a player you think, oh, am I you know am I doing too much? And I never averaged more than I never averaged double digit shots in a season, <laughs> you know, because I always thought, oh, I I better pass, I better make sure everybody's involved. But I think that can hurt a player too. So uh, Dylan's got the ability; he's going to shoot it at a very high percentage most of the time. He's so efficient and effective, um, and I'd like to see him do that. David, appreciate you stopping by. Look forward to uh, the 29th when conference play begins, and make sure you uh, spoil the little one on Christmas Day. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There's no other way, is there? That's right. Thanks, David. Thanks, Steve. David Patton, former Big Sky MVP, my partner on the uh, Weber State uh, basketball, men's basketball. Again, he'll be back with me for the home game on the 29th of December. Actually, he's going to be with me in Logan on Monday for the game against Utah State. Coach V comes up next. We'll talk women's hoops right after this. You're listening to the Far Better Sports Show on 103.1 The Wave. We can all agree on one thing, and that's everyone loves ice cream. Far Better Ice Cream has been a part of your family, serving flavors and smiles for over a century. Welcome back to a Far Better Sports Show on 1031 The Wave with your host, Steve Klauke. 
And welcome back to our Far is Better Sports Show at Far's Ice Cream, located 21st and Grant here in downtown Ogden. We're here till 8. The store is open till 10. Come on over and enjoy some great ice cream. And uh, we've already had uh, Tim Crompton, Jerry Craybeal, and uh, David Patton as our guest. But now we save the best for last. Coach V, Valeda Harris, the head coach of the women's basketball program at Weber State. Coach, good to see you again. And uh, first of all, I, did you get a chance to go to Hard 8? You know, I didn't get a chance oh. to go to Hard 8. Listen. I tried. Uh-huh. I tried, but just because of the weather and mm-hmm. our schedule, I didn't go. But it's uh, on my list. Okay. I, listen, was... I, Steve, when you text me, I tried. <laughs> I tried my darndest. But my assistant coach who's in charge of travel, she was like, Coach, we just can't do it. Oh, so, that's too bad. But yeah, it was. Uh, uh, and any Texas barbecue is good, but that place was maybe the best I've ever had. Man, yeah. But uh, I, I never steer anybody wrong when it comes to food. Well, then listen, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Interesting season so far, mm-hmm. uh, 10 games in the books, and uh, I guess the best thing when you take a look at things, you obviously you've won, f- won four, lost six. Um, the opportunity to play a variety of styles has got to be huge when you're preparing for conference play. Well, yeah, that's, you know, it, it, it is really important. You know, we played uh, teams who are methodical, right, who um, very, very disciplined. We've played teams that are crazy athletic, right? We've, we got to play a Big East team, which was bigger than us at every, that was probably our best game we played. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest, bigger than us at every single position, but we were ready for that challenge, you know. So playing Providence and being at that tournament was really, really good for us. And so we've, we're learning a lot. We're learning a lot. My young ones are getting some some opportunity to play with with having um, a couple starters out and our six men out for probably another month or so. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been great in terms of us trying to figure out is this really the style that we want to play, and in playing that style. What do we also need to do defensively, you know, to get what we want out of it? Hey, I was going to ask you about uh, the tournament in Providence. Uh, first of all, how did you wind up in uh, Providence, Rhode Island? And uh, second of all, uh, uh, obviously it seemed like a, a well-run event, and you, you took two out of three? Yeah, it was a great event. Um, I, you know, I coached in Rhode Island for about 14 months, mm-hmm. and so it was an opportunity for me to go back, but also for our players to experience something that they'd never experienced. Many of our players hadn't been to the East Coast, and it was an opportunity that came up. And I, uh, Coach Turner, who's in charge of scheduling, did a really good job of making it work for us. They they made some concessions in order for us to to be there and play there, and so it was a great opportunity. And again, we're playing teams that we would never play otherwise. Tell me about uh, the senior leadership you're getting right now. Just looking at the numbers, uh, Darren Hickok, 17.9 a game, 5.6 rebounds, two double doubles. Jaden Matthews, 15.1 uh, and 8.1, uh, four double doubles. Uh, two senior leaders that are doing the job. Yeah, they're doing the job because you know they've experienced it. They've been they've been playing now. This is their fourth their fourth season, right? And they're both coming back for their fifth, um, as it stands right now. And so it's a great. Their leadership is is um, priceless. You know, you can't put a value on it because, one, they know what it takes. They were there in the trenches in the beginning, and they know what it takes. And so that senior, we just have to have everybody latch onto it. That's really, really the big piece because every single night they come to work. Every single day in practice they come to work, you know. And so them being examples is really, really great because we lost a piece of that last year um, in Pinsir. And so having the two of them and then in a couple weeks, you know, having Emma back, Mm -hmm. that's another senior that's going to add to it. And even Ava being out and injured, she's an integral part of what we're trying to do. Uh, as an injured party, you mentioned that. What what, was, what does Ava do to try to stay a part of things? Well, she's she's very involved. Uh-huh. You know, right now we're just working. We're working, trying to get her back, you know, late January, mm-hmm. see what that looks like for her mm-hmm. um, because yeah. she, she really does want to play. She just told me that today. She's like, ah, oh, 
I really want to play. And I'm like, I love hearing that, <laughs> you know, and then we got to just think about quality of life and everything for her. But really, we would love to have her back. And she stays involved because she's in practice. Um, she gets to see everything. She's a part of everything. She's in every single meeting that we have. Um, whether it's basketball related or culture club, anything that we do, she's very involved. And, and because the players respect her so much, you know, her voice is a, is a big one in our locker room. Yeah, you, you mentioned Emma Torbert. Uh, she just gives you just another another offensive weapon. Uh, yep. That, that three-point game of hers really came to fruition last year. Mm-hmm. She gives us she gives us a lot just because of her, her knowledge of the game. Her mm-hmm. IQ is so high, mm-hmm. you know, and so adding her to what – Munker is doing and what Jading is doing is is really important for us. Um, You know, her absence uh, has been tough in terms of experience, but what her absence has done is given her a chance to lead from the outside. You know, we have... uh, um, Amelia, who came in as a freshman. We have Tama, who's now a sophomore. We have Vicky, who's always been a part of what we're doing, but she's really been a voice, you know, for them. But it's given her opportunity to teach and her to understand and see the game in a different way. So it's only adding, you know, to her IQ. And so she's anxious to get back. Is that something that you just let naturally happen, or is there do you pull uh, players aside and say, hey, I need you to be this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's a combination of both okay. because they see. But at, at certain times, I'm like, okay, I'd like you to. Mm-hmm. You know, take this player under their wing and things like that. So it's not only injured; it's just, it's just the experienced, right? Taking the younger ones under their wing and helping them come along. Uh, you mentioned uh, Vicky, Vicky Para, and uh, she has a very good rebounding team. You're a plus five point eight on the year, and she's averaging seven point seven. It looks like that no matter who you have on the floor, you have five players that want to board. Yeah, five players that want to board, and Vicky's in the second part of that. And you know, Vicky's uh, her greatest asset to us is her defense. Right, she's also up there in blocks, if if I if I recall. And so defensively, she brings in kind of some strength and some power and a stabilizer. And so that's what she and Emma do. And we talk about Emma on offense, but the defensive part is a big piece of what we're missing down there. Right, I'm going to get ten boards from Jaden. Mm-hmm. I am going to get four or five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten from Munka. Right, going to get that same defensive piece from from Emma and then to get that from Vicky and then what I'm encouraging is for our young ones and our guards to get three or four rebounds a game we add that then you know because rebounding wins games one possession one and done secure the ball that's going to help us win games mentioned the plus 5.8 reboundings I know the one number you'd like to change uh, as quickly as possible the minus 5.9 differential in turnovers yeah and so the last two games and, and you've watched them the last two games we've just we've the ball's just been out of our hands, especially specifically in the first half. We corral it and curtail in the second half, but how you start the game has a big part of everything. It has to do with everything. And so turning the ball over gives away points. That's literally what it does. And so it's those live ball turnovers that are hurting us. Right? And so we just have to be stronger and we have to be more competitive in practice with each other so we can see the same thing in practice, if not more, than what it is that we see in games. Watch some of that game uh, on Saturday, and I, I, I had tears in my eyes. I miss going to the Betty. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's cold up oh, there. Oh, shoot, it's cold up there. <laughs> so it's cold up there. Yeah, no doubt. The only good thing was that the hotel we stayed at was across the street from a Tim Hortons donut shop. Not uh, that I needed them, but... There's nothing it's like Tim it's, Hortons. It's Tim Hortons. <laughs> That's what that is. Um, two more games uh, as far as non-conference play is concerned, and thankfully for you, both of them are at home yes. this Saturday afternoon yes. at Utah Tech, uh, or against Utah Tech, I should say. And then 
this is going to be fun. 5.30 on Tuesday, <laughs> you've got uh, one of the top uh, 20 teams in the country in right. the University of Utah undefeated. Uh, great to see, at least in in, uh, in your sport, the in-state schools still play each other. Yeah, yeah. And so the, we, we made a concerted effort to do that this year. Right? We wanted to play four teams, and we were fortunate to get them all at home, which was really, really great. Um, we're going to have to go back there next year. Mm-hmm. But it's great to get them all at home. And so Utah Tech coming in, coached by J.D. Gustin, um, great guy, great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're a high-powered offense. They put up put points, put up buckets. And so that's going to be really, really fun. And we're going to have to be really, really locked in for that game. And then getting the Utes, and, I, of course, you know, I used to coach there. Mm-hmm. And so getting them to come, and they're very, very talented, very, very skilled. And so but getting them to come to our place was it was a big coup, and I'm really excited about that, and I'm hoping that the fans come out and watch a good a good contest. You know, we're going to fight as hard as we can against a team that's very, very talented, you know, and again, the preseason is about us getting ready for the Big Sky Conference because that's when it all counts, right? And we're, we're going to, we have a, a challenging preseason schedule. And with two games left, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how ready do you feel your team is for conference play? You know, I, th- I think we still have a little ways to go. You know, some days I see it, like I told them after a specific game when we played Providence, we played Brian, I was like, you guys, we're tougher than I thought we were, quite honestly. And then, you know, some games we come out and I'm like, are we mentally focused and ready? So, again, this is about us in practice today, the players can tell you, was about our focus and our urgency to do things right all the time. Discipline is the difference. And, right, you talk about turnovers. That's undisciplined, right? Discipline is the difference. So I still think we have a ways to go, but we have a couple weeks before we play that first game, and we're really going to be dialed in as to what it's going to take to win. You know, our, I believe our first contest last year was our home contest against the Montanas mm-hmm. and we were ready and prime for that and I didn't think we we're ready in preseason but we've just got to be the discipline is the difference but we've got to be consistent no doubt as far as uh, uh, the, the team itself is concerned and uh, I noticed this uh, talking to some of them during the meet and greet this team is a close team both on and off the floor yeah it's a team that you know I believe they pull for each other you know um, they, they want the best for each other it's just a matter of do the experienced players pull the young ones along? Do the young ones latch on to the experienced players? And then just continue that, you know, as roles are defined as the season goes on. Uh, are the young players good listeners? <laughs> the young players are young players. <laughs> they, they listen most of the time, right? And it's just, you know, and it, you know, they hear everything, you know, but are they listening or are they dialed in, the focus piece of it? And, and when they are, we're, we're a much better team, right? And I, and I want that just to be consistent. Coach V, always appreciate you coming by, especially on a night like this, uh, to join us. And uh, good luck. And, again, 1 o'clock on Saturday against Utah Tech. I hear some uh, fat guy in a red suit's going to be there. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And, uh, of course, don't forget the the game on Tuesday night uh, uh, against Utah. That'll be a 5.30 tip-off. Good luck, and uh, hope to see you uh, again soon. Okay, thank you. Always good to see you, Steve. All right, uh, that's uh, Coach Valeda Harris. Thanks to all of our guests here tonight. Uh, Coach V from the women's basketball program, David Patton, the former Big Sky MVP who is uh, my uh, partner in crime on the basketball broadcast, as well as Jerry Graybill, and, of course, Athletic Director Tim Crompton, letting us in on what's going on in regards to the search for a new head football coach. Again, second Tuesday of every month, we're right here at Far's Ice Cream, located at 21st and Grant. Stop on by and enjoy some great ice cream. Our thanks to Kelly Monson back in our studios, and our thanks to you for listening. This has been the Far Better Sports Show on 103.1 The Wave.